Welcome back, Red Spotters. Another show here on Red Spot Entertainment. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, and I'm joined by the one and only David Francisco, who is celebrating a brand new microphone today. How are you doing, <laughs> David? Good, good. Uh, hope people can hear the difference. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> We're all hoping. <laughs> this is something he did on his own accord, so uh, uh, yeah. It also goes to show you uh, what we can do with our money when there's nothing else around. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. This is another installment of our Beyond the Shield series where we recap weekly new episodes of the final season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is the recap for episode three, Alien Commies from the Future. <laughs> A perfectly titled episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how we usually start these things is we go off broad, talk about overall what we uh, felt about the episode um, in some pretty vague terms. And then around five minutes after that, then we begin to really like um, lay it on thick with the spoilers. Because how we usually like to deal with these episodes is um, our initial impressions. And then we just kind of like flow or bounce around from character to character or storyline to storyline. And that's how we go from there. So, with this episode, I have to say, um, this is actually the first... So, a little bit of background. The last two weeks, I have not been watching it live, because I have been, unfortunately, uh, recording in the middle of those uh, broadcasts. So, I've been catching it on Hulu. Um, which I do anyway, either way, because like... Same. Um, yeah. But, this... Last week was the first time I watched it live since last year's finale. So it's been over a year. Um, and generally speaking, for the entirety of this run of this TV show, I have been one of those people that have watched it live as it was broadcast on ABC. And then, of course, several times after that when it was on Hulu or whatever. So, like, you know, I, I, I'm a very avid fan, clearly. Um <laughs> So, it was just, you know, the novelty of it with watching it with the commercial breaks and everything and having to wait through that and yada, yada, yada. Um, this, I think, is great. I I, I, I really loved it. Mm -hmm. the, the, this one, I think, will be among my favorites, not just of this season, but maybe of the whole show because, you know, I, I think it's perfectly summed up in one critic's review in the AV Club where they said yeah you know what this this just feels like shield is on a victory lap um <laughs> it really <laughs> does because you can tell how much fun the cast is having with these situations and you can there's just something about you know, some of them, some of the characters in, in particular are done with it. And like, okay, at this point, nothing will surprise me. Some mm. characters like Colson are very much leaning into um, the ridiculousness of it. Um, and I think in general, as audience members, we're just left with, you know, maximum levels of entertainment. I, this was, I think, one of the most hilarious episodes. Oh, for I sure. really laughed really hard. <laughs> At a lot of different times. And um, I think that this is, again, another one of those episodes that I'll point uh, to people who have never seen it um, and say, like, 
you may not know what the hell's going on and it's like the last season, but you know what? The tone and the flavor of what this episode offers is what I think S.H.I.E.L.D. does its best, you know? They do some good stuff when it's like, you know, really like serious. Like, I think season five worked for the most part um, Mm -hmm. really well, especially with the emotional moments. But as in like last year's, uh, some of the season six episodes, like um, the uh, fear and loathing on planet Kitson, um, that whole episode where uh, Daisy and, and Gemma were just completely high and they were like going to the <laughs> bar and everything. Or Code Yellow, which was Deke's episode where he kind of breaks the fourth wall a couple of times. Like that kind of like zaniness, kookiness, like just humor that they do that they've done these last um, two years, I think has really worked off in spades. It's episodes like this that I'm glad we got two more years of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I love this episode. Uh, yeah. I'll take it with you, David. Go ahead. No, like you said, this is a really fun episode. Like, we see good teamwork within them. And uh, I just kind of like how they just kept uh, coming up with another plan over and over, trying to uh, handle the situation. <laughs> yeah. And oh, but I think, that, honestly, this was the funniest episode for Coulson. Like, he... <laughs> He must have loved this episode. Oh my god! Oh god! Yes, because <laughs> I, I I I have to think that every line he said was so good and yes. so funny as well. There is a moment. There's so many moments here, but yeah, in particular where he's uh, interrogating some um, civilians, trying to weed out who is the undercover Chronicom among the group. <laughs> um, and he does, um, I think somebody referred to it as uh, the replicant test from Blade Runner, where he's trying to um, get them really, really emotional to see if they can actually feel something. And he does his job pretty well, oh. um, considering the reactions <laughs> that he gets. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Clark Gregg really ate it up. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, like, everything was, like, at the top of his game. Like, not only with the comedy, but also, like, his character. He's always a big nerd when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. I think this yeah. one, like, really showed it. But also, his action. I, I think this is, the, I don't know. Um, this might be the most action he's ever gotten. Um, yeah, because Coulson uh, has never really been um, known for his fighting. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a supporting player in the fighting. But now that he's a Chronicom they're unbelievably strong as yeah. they say in this episode and you know since we're on the the issue of the chronicoms you know i did say in previous weeks that as far as villains are concerned for this show they may be the least interesting because they're just a bunch of like emotionalist robots in that regard mm-hmm. but one way to kind of like compensate for you know the lack of interest i i don't think we've had you know, a force of brute of uh, brute strength as they are. Like, I don't think there are any other, like, especially because, like, all their henchmen are chronicoms and they're mm-hmm. unbelievably powerful. Yeah. And we were, and looking at the, the action sequences in this episode with, uh, with, you know, with Coulson and, of course, with the OEO and May, holy shit. Like, <laughs> you think to yourself, yeah, like, these guys aren't playing around and they're probably the most powerful villains in terms of brute strength because they i mean that one chronicom was like did she almost just flat out beat may and yo-yo combined like oh my god yes that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was intense 
Um, that was a really mindful cool though. Scene. Both Yo Yo and May are a little bit handicapped at the moment, but yeah, you know, true. Especially May. Oh my god, I think yeah. I think uh, Yo Yo's like uh, better off than May. Uh, May. At least her head's clear. I don't know about May. May's uh, she's interesting right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah. Again, this is one of the most fun episodes that I've seen, and. We got a big reference. <laughs> we got a big cross. Uh, what was it? Um, crossover. Crossover uh, with Agent yeah. Carter. Yes. Oh man, I still want. I still want Agent Carter though in this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of the big uh, selling points of the episode was the return of Daniel Souza from Marvel's Agent Carter, which you know is no secret that we, I mean, both David and I are big fans of the show very much saddened by its premature demise at the hands of uh, ABC. Um, but it was, it was, you know, I hadn't thought about Carter in a long, long time, mm-hmm. but I really loved the series, you know, the, a period piece in the days of, in the, in the universe of Marvel. It really like when Carter was around the show, that was at a time where I, I thought that the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe were limitless. Mm-hmm. But again, when Carter premiered, that was the year after S.H.I.E.L.D. premiered. And that was at a time when there was still a pretense that the TV shows and the movies existed in this universe. Because people forget this. Uh, Carter predates Daredevil. Mm-hmm. At least I feel it did. No, yeah, I'm pretty it did. sure it yeah. did. So that was a different time. It was the second television show and unfortunately short-lived with uh, only two seasons. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt that was really sad because I I think if I'm going to look back at the pantheon of uh, particularly the Marvel Entertainment television shows under the guise of Jeff Loeb, um, I would think Carter easily is at the very top at least top three maybe in my eyes as far as like quality is concerned because i'm thinking shield daredevil and then agent carter right there i think um especially because some of those shows really sucked like in humans <laughs> so there's not much competition yeah. <laughs> can you believe that they greenlit a fuck like a what a waste of a an inhumans tv show that collapsed entirely we could have gotten a, a third like shortened season of carter to wrap things up mm-hmm. in that regard but you know how things work. Yeah. But it also, seeing Daniel Souza in this episode reminded me how much I really liked that show and liked that character. It was cool Same. seeing him there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he was he was awesome. I, I, I liked how he was super excited to... Well, mm. well we can get to the plot, right? I know. Or, yeah, we can go ahead and get into it. Yeah. Now. So... Uh, so the team like sneaks into Area Fifty One, and which is a Shield base, which is which a Shield base. Well, they all, be that all surprising. <laughs> all the bases are Shield. <laughs> all of the areas <laughs> yeah. apparently. Yeah. And then uh, we had a callback with Daisy in her days in the Rising Tide when she was like, "Well, conspiracy me was so right." Yeah. Um, yeah. That was funny. Mm-hmm. And then to sneak in, uh, Simmons. Oh my gosh, I don't know why I keep getting you confused, Simmons disguises herself as agent carter <laughs> so, that... 
<laughs> dude oh my god i was i didn't see the name on the card mm-hmm. but like i saw like the shield logo in her picture and i'm like oh my god is she, is she? trying to be agent carter and then they yeah. said the name i'm like oh my god this is great uh, no dude I'll, I'll tell you about that moment because uh, it previously there was a scene on 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 the zephyr and then daisy was saying well with simmons we got to get it we, we had to get a little creative and i thought to myself no no mm. they, they no she didn't she didn't um and then uh we cut to the car and the music was building up and it was like okay we're doing this we're doing this um mm-hmm. and uh god just I love, I love it. It's like you, you uh, remind yourself, uh, both Colson and Gemma are big fans of Agent Carter. So yeah, I think Colson says, "Like, oh, you're loving this, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, I think Peggy. he says a line that's like that. Oh, it was yeah. great. You're enjoying this way too much, Peggy. <laughs> yeah, and I like how when Susan's introduced and he finds out Carter is there, and he's just like mm-hmm. super excited to meet her again and everything, and the way he sort of handled the situation. When he realized it wasn't her, uh-huh. uh, it was hilarious and just kind of like, oh, this this it's pretty cool. I, was, I miss this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, Sousa is great. And uh, we're touching on a couple of different things, but let's kind of streamline streamline yeah, yeah. it. So, Sousa, um, this is several years uh, after Agent Carter. So, if we're mm-hmm. if we're in nineteen fifty five, I think I've heard people say that we're at least seven years after. Um, the events of Agent Carter season two, maybe six, seven years or after that. Um, and clearly, uh, the romance didn't necessarily work out between them. And again, mm-hmm. it, it's <sighs> we're we're left. There's a little, a little bit more mystery because, of course, that show left things very much unresolved. Mm-hmm. And then to make matters more murky, um, Endgame had this whole thing where. <laughs> remember the writers say yeah he went back in, in this timeline and then the directors are like well no he went in an alternate reality and then he's with a different Peggy and it's like whatever <laughs> it is I mean if you choose to if you choose to say that he went back in time in the MCU timeline th- then Peggy right now is with Steve mm. if all is to be taken at that face value mm-hmm. um, we well, also yeah go ahead well, we don't know when. Right, right. We uh, don't. Steve went back in like which part of time? He could have right. gone fifteen years. Who knows? So, eh, well, did no? Didn't they? Didn't they say? Uh... Oh dear, um, that may be a plot hole hmm. for the writers. Then didn't they say nineteen forty five when they at the end of Endgame? Did they? Or nineteen forty eight? 49 whatever it was maybe it was 48 oh no 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 i think it was 1949 yeah i was i think it was the year 1949 which would have made it after agent carter took place Hmm. whatever it is you want to believe and (laughs) if if we're wrong whatever but yeah not that it really has to exist in this timeline because of course you know timelines (laughs) so like whatever but we also know from the end game that um at least it was my interpretation that at one point Peggy was the director. Because mm. her office did say director Margaret Carter when Steve walked in in Endgame. When uh, they were 
I mean, it would make sense. She was one of the founding members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's 1955 or 1940-something, so... Well, well, hold up a minute. <laughs> this this is the 70s. That scene is from the 70s. Oh, then yeah, maybe she could have been director. That would have been few, in the future. Because when they go back, uh, when, when Tony and Steve go back to the base... Um, yeah, that that's in the seventies. So, mm. which is like at least twenty years ahead of where we are right now, which is in fifty five. Mm. Um, can I just say, I I am um, I'm a big UFO guy. I love aliens, <laughs> alien movies. What a treat it was! You know, you set this in fifty five. You know, the age of all of this UFO um, stuff that's beginning to you know, kind of the height of it in pop culture. It's in Nevada and the desert. It's Area Fifty One. Of course, mm-hmm. it's a shield base, and um, nothing to me. Like the the episode told me exactly what it was going to be when the Zephyr fucking like zapped out of the sky, um, and of course, it would look like a fucking mm. you know alien saucer to nineteen um, fifties people, and they were just screaming, <laughs> and then of course, it crash lands. Um, and Coulson's right. Yeah, we probably should be flying when, when we jump the timeline. And there are more details with that. But with the alien theme, I, I really am loving the title cards for these for this season as well. So we yes. zoom up. We have a little bit of an alien um, zing in there with the Agents of Agents of Shield theme with the red um, font letters. Uh, it, it. Oh my God. You they're can ha- just tell. They're having fun. <laughs> they're all having fun in this last season. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah, it, I think to me, it, it just exudes a level of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know what you're doing, and it's it's working off really, really well. But back with Souza in this regard, um, yeah, he, he spots the disguise. And I, I love how they show him... Um, there's a little bit of progression because I, I do believe that um, – r- remind me, in season two, did he have the cane or was he still using those crutches? I think he was still using the crutches. Because Sousa in the show, Agent Carter, was mostly using crutches to get around and then in this episode, he has a cane. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then he's clearly um, – has improved his condition yeah. since those seasons. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't remember the crutches until now. Like as soon as you said, it, I'm like, oh my god, he did have crutches. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> recall it until somebody mentioned it on some other podcast. That's why I was like, well, you're right about that. I just forgot entirely because yeah. the, the the cane felt so natural, mm-hmm. especially I mean, I, how he used it. Yeah, I mean, you remember the the limp leg and all that. You just the whatever he was using to walk. It's kind of forgetful. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a cool detail. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also, um, I love how they use him as a very um, competent agent. Um, I mean, not that it would be hard, but like he very like smoothly walks up to fake Carter and like busts her, <laughs> busts her. And, and then gets calls in. And the, yeah, it was um, it was as simple as that. And then much more than that. And I feel we're gonna play into this. In this week's episode, um, this big, big uh, reveal that uh, Sousa 
noticed that there were, as he says, sleepers, sleeper cells, sleeper agents within S.H.I.E.L.D. and that it needs to be found out right now that he had filed a report, I believe, to Washington, D.C., which that suggests that he was one of the first, if not the first, to be aware of Hydra's presence within S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm-hmm. Which I think for a character moment, that's great for him because, yeah. yeah, like he he solved it right then and there. But of course, that would mean that, you know, since hi- – and, and I think Daisy even said it as well. Like, uh, and that's a little bit of like uh, symmetry here where she's talking with Deke. Like at this moment, Hydra is infiltrating itself in every layer of the government. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because when I saw Captain America the Winter Soldier, I was only under the impression that um, – maybe I shouldn't have been, but that mainly Hydra was within S.H.I.E.L.D. But no, as we've seen with this show, they've infiltrated themselves at every layer. I mean, with, with the movie's Winter Soldier, we have um, the senator that gave Tony Stark a bad time from mm-hmm. Iron Man 2. We've also seen um, General Hale from this show, who was deep in the military, in the Air Force, I think uh, she was in. So, yeah, Hydra infiltrated themselves not just within S.H.I.E.L.D., but at every agency. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it, it, it's hilarious to me that at the end of Winter Soldier, um, they blame they blame it only on Shield, and of course, um, in the show in season one, they announced that all Shield personnel are fugitives of the law, where every agency kind of had this issue. But of course, American hypocrisy when when you have that situation right there. <laughs> but anyway, Hydra would have found out about that, and so I think the implication there is they killed him. Or, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to come out later on. Mm. I don't know if it's any confirmed, but it could be that he figures it out. But, mm-hmm. you know, someone from the team tells him, right, you can't do anything. Though they're, they're literally everywhere. You can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just going to have to keep it a secret. And, but they also have to like tell him, like, they'll be stopped, you know? Yeah, which would be uh, pretty hard to tell Yeah, <laughs> uh, somebody to do because of what is going to happen. It only reaffirms Daisy's uh, position about what happened, right? With what she mm-hmm. wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I think there's a little bit of a realization that she was a little out of line. And I love how in the opening moments of this episode, Director Mac puts his fucking foot down. <laughs> oh, and it's yes. like... Hey, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have authority to do that. I'm the one giving the orders. Are we clear on the mission? And then Deke, like, what the hell? You don't take orders from anybody but me. Mm-hmm. Remember that. So I love from, like, almost, like, the very beginning of the episode, but, like, we have to, like, re- Mac needs to take control back a little bit here because it was getting a little bit ridiculous. And that's yeah. a good, good moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Not like I said, he's the big brother of the whole team, and but, like, right. he knows when to put authority when it needs to be and it's great (laughs) yeah and then you know off the heels of last week we have the situation with uh with daisy and deke and i love that we get to have a moment between those two to really talk about what happened and we Mm. see that deke is very much um miffed if not a little annoyed at daisy for having put deke in that situation and i don't blame him i mean um, yeah. and I think it, it, what's remarkable about that is kind of a little acknowledgement from Daisy, even though she hadn't, um, 
put it all together, but I think it's also a big moment for Deke to kind of like reaffirm who he is when he says to her, I'm not the same guy you met in the lighthouse. And it just reminds you, again, um, the Russos always say this when it comes to their character arcs with the Marvel movies, the distance traveled for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, in his case, he went from a you know a futuristic dystopian timeline back into the present. Now he's in 1955, so it's it's and and even that plays into the plot here with Helios being the MacGuffin we have to find here in this episode from his timeline, how it was used to basically destroy ships, mm-hmm. um, which the Chronicoms want to acquire not just so they can take out some leading Shield players, but also the ability. I feel like if they, if they destroyed Helios and all that, all of that, Shield's aircraft wouldn't even have existed, and so that would have kind of like TKO'd the Shield team in that process. Mm. But back with Deke, um, it reminds you how much he has grown and changed, even from back back when we met him in season five, the beginning of season five, and you know, not that I ever considered him a stone cold blooded killer, he was mm. just a survivor. Yeah. And yeah, he would he would get people inadvertently killed to survive, you know, to save his own skin. But I don't think that would ever killed or captured depending on the situation. I never saw him get anybody killed personally, but he did betray Daisy in, you know, their initial interactions in the lighthouse. But it also just reminds you how much he has it, it's all, it's really a journey of self-discovery. Mm. In in the in his timeline, he never was given the opportunity to have have any kind of identity. Or he's just a survivor, right? Or, or anything. Mm-hmm. And so, with him being um, in this world, and with you know actual human beings like our shield heroes, um, he's kind of discovered who he really is. And as he says to Daisy, he's not comfortable with taking a life like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think it's just a nice moment to just reaffirm Deke's humanity um, and how really at the end of it, I mean, it, it's not in any way to dismiss him or belittle him, but he is kind of like the the baby of the group where it's like he, there is a little bit of innocence to him where it's mm-hmm. like, that's not something I've ever, you know, wanted to be put in a position into. And but that was a big thing for Daisy way back in season two when May was training her and then Daisy had to kill, shoot to kill Donnie Gill um, back in the episode where Gemma was undercover at Hydra. Um, and that had an effect on Daisy. So it's like, it just reminds you of like where Deke and his journey is in comparison to everybody else's. And mm-hmm. also that it, it may not lead in the same trajectory as everyone, as everyone else's journey. So, uh, it was, I think, a wonderful exchange um, for the characters to have. And then it also gave Daisy more of a chance to clarify her reasoning. Uh, mm-hmm. And even though it's not um, – I'm sure there's more to it, but she, she's right. And that is like right now at this moment, Hydra is taking over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a situation where every individual – if you're given in a position, it's the same situation of like kill baby Hitler or kill baby Thanos. It's what are you going to do? <laughs> um, so yeah, time travel stuff. Yeah. No, uh, I, I did. I really like that moment too. Deke, a uh, great character. Uh, 
But also, like, I think you, you did mention it a bit. It just shows how much change the other characters have gone through. Because, mm-hmm. like, for sure, that's something Daisy probably wouldn't have thought of in the beginning of the show. But now she's willing to do anything for the mission, for her team. Uh, it, was, it was great. Yeah. Um. By the way, mm. the costume and the hair work this year <laughs> is... <laughs> fantastic <laughs> no yeah the uh, hair is great i mean we Gemma, daisy yo yo even may she, she looks great in this episode too i don't know what the hell i mean that i mean of course the time periods and everything but uh-huh. you know <laughs> with it and of course the costumes look very very well done uh hopping back a little bit with uh Gemma and with colson here um it's always fun when S.H.I.E.L.D. does some undercover um, uh, missions. It's been some time since I, re- I can recall that happening. I don't think they've gone undercover since, like, Jesus, maybe season three, if that. But what's hilarious is this is the first time Coulson and Gemma have gone undercover together. Since way back, and I've noticed um, this was um, on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter, uh, way back in Season 1 with the Tracks episode, that episode with the train, um, and Gemma and Coulson were playing a father-daughter um, combination. Do you remember that episode? Uh, it's like, It's coming to my mind, but I can't remember much. This is one of those episodes where it was uh, fragmented. We got to see... It's one of those where the team began disappearing one by one. It ultimately ended with Daisy being shot by um, Ian Quinn, Mm. which led to them transporting her to the facility where they told her that she was dying, and then they found out Tahiti and the drug, and then it saved her. This is way back, by the way. So if you can recall this, it's I get it. No, I mean, I kind of, I do remember a bit them playing the whole, like, father-daughter role for mm-hmm. the mission. Like, but everything else, oof, man. <laughs> a lot's happened since then, so. <laughs> Too much has happened, I think you could say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since that situation occurred, so. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. No, but they were a fun pair. I think they've always kind of worked well together. Because, mm. I mean, you, like you said, you had that episode, but then also had, like, they sort of spent a lot of time together when she was trying to infiltrate Hydra. Yeah. So uh, I think they, they, I think there's always going to be two good teamwork within those two, at least for uh, covert stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Gemma, she just uh, she's like one of the smartest groups, so smartest person in the group. So I like how they sort of try to figure out um, how to find a chronicom like mm-hmm. separate them and it leads to just it led to just a bunch of hilarious jokes where they try to like just get any type of reaction from someone <laughs> and see if they yeah yeah and the writing of course um is what makes it work but you also have to count in the, the slight little like nuances that the actors add in themselves that make it more hilarious i think to myself where um <laughs> Where uh, the first one, where Gemma, um, like you know, asks, um, "How many fingers am I holding up?" And then like he hesitates, and it was like, "Okay, it was two. Bye." And she kind of <laughs> just like <laughs> blows him away. And like they, those two commit 
Um, <laughs> they really do. And of course, like the whole moist situation. Oh, I was going to mention that. I love it. Because <laughs> the way, the way like he says it though to his, his react, his face is just like moist. And then the guys, the other guy that you're interrogating, he's just like flinching the entire time. Like, oh God, no. And it, it's that. rooted in reality. I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but 20% of the public can't stand that word. Yeah, we have a that. negative reaction to that word, <laughs> which is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> it's just the way that it sounds like moist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> People um, listening to this, <laughs> just like stop it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but there were also a love. Um, it it shows. God damn, what a big nerd Coulson is! Like he he really had some deep cuts in there. Um, with like certain questions, like one of the scientists, he asks, don't you think John Wayne is overrated? And if you're not aware of this, cause I recently rewatched, um, a really good film called Trumbo with Brian Cranston, which was in the 1950s, 40s, mm. 50s. And that was the Hollywood 10 controversy where these, uh, writers and actors were blackballed from Hollywood because they were registered communists. By the way, communists back then meant democratic socialists. So not at all. Soviet mm-hmm. Russia, but John Wayne was one of those actors that was like Marika and like fuck the pinkos and the communists and whatever that is. You're not an American if you're a communist and whatever it was. So he was pretty much a propaganda attack dog. Um, and in my view, a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So I love, um, when he was like saying that to, uh, clearly, you know, in the fifties, mostly everybody was radicalized by American propaganda. And that's a theme in this episode as well, because it is the fifties. Mm. And it was like, John Wayne loves America. <laughs> and so I love John Wayne. So yeah, whatever about that whole situation. Uh, so, and then like he asks, um, this other guy about like, she was between these two like fifties actors and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, his fanboy comes out every now and then. I love when he, his reaction, like, arrest what <laughs> and then daniel souza is right like daniel souza big fan um <laughs> as he's about to get arrested but of course i think i think the the moment i didn't mean to skip past this but the one that i was just like laughing so hard was when he made that old woman cry <laughs> that was beautiful oh my god that's great it with the turtle like, on his so bad <laughs> <laughs> you monster no it was great no it, it's fantastic Oh, great work for them, honestly. God. Uh, also, hmm. no, go ahead, David. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I, I know. I, I didn't know where I was going to go with it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I was just going to say, uh, uh, talk about uh, May and oh man, Yo Yo, Yo Yo. Can't remember her actual name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like what they're going through. Uh, I like that bit in the beginning with Yo Yo and uh, Mac. Where it's just talking about what happened. Uh, and uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's kind of just comforting her, like she'll figure it out basically, or um, that she'll get through it. And uh, it was just kind of nice seeing those two again together, uh, mm-hmm. having like a little moment. Uh, but then, like, leading up to where they had to, <laughs> where the whole uh, uh, going undercover just goes out the window and they just straight up just start attacking people or something. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, that's the thing, though, is I think well, this touches on a, a big part of the episode that I wanted to leave for the end, mm. um, in particular with, with Yo-Yo and, and with May. Um, 
how they get in there in the first place is is just hilarious because they're women, mm-hmm. <laughs> women of color, and like they just let them walk onto the base. And then, like, May was like, well, in the 50s, you know, um, female pilots were actually more common than men because they needed us to fly their targets for target practice. Hmm. Oh, no, yeah. Because sexism and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, everything uh, that they kept right at the sexism, the racism. Dude. uh, It was, like, they did not stop. They did not hold back, (laughs) basically. Which I appreciate and also is interesting because this episode was written by uh, the Zuckerman sisters. Uh, They've written uh, episodes of the show every year. This is the mm-hmm. last episode they, they've written for the series, by the way. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. And hilariously enough is some other podcast I listened to, Fantastic Geek, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Recap. We're talking about, well, are we sure they aren't time travelers? Because, and I made a list here of um, stuff, I'll just say, that's... In this episode, and it's not like it's unnaturally inserted. All of it kind of fits with where they're at, and it speaks to the timeline. But this episode must have been written at least a year and a half ago. We know this episode was filmed over a year ago. That's how long this this season has like been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it airs in the middle of, you know... Civil unrest with the whole Black Lives Matter movement exploding over the murder of George Floyd. And, of course, the protests all across the country and, you know, racial unrest and all that. So you could say that, wow, what a time for an episode like this to <laughs> drop. But, you know, it really just speaks to that, well, it really the, – the, the protests – shouldn't have been a surprise because i mean this episode is evidence enough to tell you that things kind of have been the same for a while let me run down the list of things that were in this episode um so the character of sharp uh the the, the defense um secretary here uh who's you know, big shield player who they drug by the way who's played by a wonderful character actor um last i saw him on was bridge of spies the steven spielberg film and he played a similar character like that but very very well done and Great performance of the actor, although what a piece of shit he is. Um, so here are the things that he um, – a lot of racist comments. He calls Mac a boy. He calls uh, Elena a uh, um, mamacita caliente. Um, he called May an oriental. <laughs> and he wouldn't give them the time of day. And I think one of the most like hilarious moments of this episode – and one that it even took me a while to figure out, what, what are they getting at? When they all look at Deke and they're like, well, I think you got to go. And Deke's like, Why? I have the least experience. Why are you asking me to go? <laughs> and it even took me like a minute to figure out, well, why are they asking him? And then the silence lingered and I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then he points to his face and it says it's, it's because like, of this. <laughs> No, I like that line before he says that where he's like, come on, man, don't make us say it. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but it, it, you know, I like to think that, you know, our generation in particular doesn't notice race as much. That way, therefore, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter for us. Like, what you look like. Yeah. We like people, so, and mm-hmm. we're kind and everything. But it also draws a spotlight on the diversity of, of this cast. Because mm-hmm. you have, like, you know, uh, 
May or you know Ming Na Wen is Chinese American. Natalia Cordova, who plays Yo Yo, is um, Hispanic, and of course we have uh, Henry Simmons, who plays uh, Alfonso um, McKenzie. Uh, that's his full name. I forget Alfonso McKenzie. We just call him Mac. Um, mm-hmm. Is black, African American. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how Deke just kind of like childishly storms off in like stupid white privilege, <laughs> which is hilariously like just t- turned on its head because you know yeah. white privilege is real, by the way. It's a thing that exists. And I think this episode shows you why it exists. Because when he um, shows up in front of Sharp, and then immediately he's like, well, I'm glad I'm finally talking to the man in charge. And then Deke is like, (laughs) just almost speechless. Just like his breath was taken away when he was like, and he says, wow, you guys just jump straight to that, don't you? (laughs) Oh, my God. And you're like, I love how it... I love how it, it stays true to this era and, mm-hmm. and uh, people like Sharp, but I love how it just pokes fun and how ridiculously stupid racists are. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> That's how you're going to determine, like, who's in charge or who, you know, is smarter than the others. And it was like, I love it. I love, I love, it wasn't even shade. It was just... It, one of the best to takedowns of racism I've ever seen. It was mm-hmm. a beautiful. Yeah. No, well, I mean, like you said, it was all like naturally woven in the like racism and the sexism. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning of the episode, uh, Colson, he's all like, oh man, this is the age of uh, like technological advancements and all that. Like, this is the height of America. And then um, Daisy, uh, yeah, Daisy, she's like, really? Are you sure? When they point to the bathroom and it's like, black people white people mm-hmm. it's like oof, <laughs> there it is <laughs> and then I, I did like that bit of when you said that uh uh may and uh yo yo they just walk into the base naturally <laughs> like without any problems like i i feel like some some people would have been like how did you guys just walk in and not because of like of their race or gender but because you know it's a it's a base how could yeah. you do that and and that bit of explanation is like is all you need yeah, it, it's also just a really, um, it's a messed up fun fact. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome. Well, it, so many of these, I mean, it, it could be as simple as, hey, they're women. They got the uniforms. And at that time, women are not necessarily seen or heard, right? Because mm-hmm. like in the beginning, um, Faye Carter was dismissed as a secretary. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, like it, yeah. it's 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 overt, and I don't think it's to me. I feel that that's kind of one one of the special ingredients about this show is that uh, practically everybody involved, from the writers, the producers, the showrunners, and the actors, are very. I I don't. I feel it's a negative connotation to say social justice warrior because that's used as an insult by the right wingers, mm-hmm. but they're just uh, they find. They have a very progressive attitude, like mm-hmm. pretty overt progressive attitude. I think yeah. we saw like, it was in season four. There was a lot of hilarious, <laughs> subtle takedowns of Trump that was like hidden in there. Like there was this one thing that Peter mentioned a few years back when he was watching um, one of the um, Agents of Hydra episodes, and they were in the framework. And he said he cracked up when um, one of um, I think it was uh, Sunil Bakshi. He was a, a, a talking head for the Hydra uh, regime in that world. 
Uh, he ran the news show and he was talking to one of his assistants. You know, um, if you want later on, we can go shopping for furniture, which was literally taken. That's, that's a line that Donald Trump himself said from that infamous access Hollywood tape of him grabbing women by the genitals. Um, that they that he was talking about we'll we'll go shopping for furniture that's one of the tactics that he uses to bait women in from that that wow. was lifted from that tape <laughs> and into the episode so i didn't even notice that the first time i saw that it was like <laughs> whoa that's insane so um yeah and even here there was a wonderful moment where where um where yo-yo says to sharp when he's you know captured and everything and uh, and Sharp says, uh, I don't know, something like, screw you, communists. Bad news for you would be like questioning America's unparalleled greatness and blah, 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 blah. And then Yo-Yo like oh so subtly says to him, you know, that arrogance is getting people killed around the world. <laughs> Which, I mean, is kind yeah. of... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's relevant. Very, very relevant. Very, very relevant. Um, yeah. You know, American arrogance and all of that. Mm. And, and and just to, you know, to touch more on uh, just a little bit on just the visual stuff that goes on in this episode that's very, you know, reminiscent of what's going on. Um, we got masks in this episode. <laughs> we got, and, and this might be a little bit. Um, in poor taste now because of what happened, but we have May and Yo-Yo throw tear gas at people. <laughs> um, and, and and literally May says, and that was a great character moment for her, and we'll get to mm-hmm. her and Yo-Yo in a bit, but she says, I can't breathe. Yeah. Which, I mean, what are the oh chances? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's almost yeah. kind of eerie, right? Like mm-hmm. how perfect it kind of fits with like it's almost as if this was written last week mm-hmm. that's how like relevant it feels yeah no i mean they uh in terms of like everything about uh like the whole racism and sexism they really know how to like utilize it well mm-hmm. and, like at the right moment because they could have done that in the last two episodes with mm-hmm. like anything with mac because like he, he only gets like i think there's only like one line where they mention like the racism right and, right, it's right with mac walking around he's like Guess people aren't used to seeing a black man in suit, and so yeah, they they really use, utilized it well in this episode. There was some more subtleties in those episodes, though. There was a moment when they break into the speakeasy where mm-hmm. Koenig is in, and some of the people who have guns aimed at them assume that Mac is Coulson's shadow. Oh, they, yeah. they literally <laughs> say that, and then like when like because. Uh, Mac is working as a bartender at the Franklin Delano Roosevelt party or whatever it is. And like one bartender yells at him and then he realizes he's a big guy. So he can't really call him boy or something. So <laughs> he backs off. So there's some more subtleties in there somewhere. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And I think Sharp is such a dick and a racist ass <laughs> that we appreciate that Mac could have explained the situation when he discovers... You know, the futuristic environment of of Zephyr. Mm. But when Mac just punches him, you know, stone cold, <laughs> I just can't help but feel, you know, a great sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, it was hilarious. Don't yeah. get me wrong as well. But I think it was like the audience just like, shut the fuck up already, you mm-hmm. asshole. You don't want and it wasn't even like Mac punched him to like 
get revenge on him or anything like that like no he's just like i don't i don't we don't have time to explain this so just knock yeah. him out yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i mean of course I mean, either way like it was still like, <laughs> it felt great to see <laughs> you know of course yeah it felt great absolutely um but with uh so mac not mac yo-yo and uh may may so we see a continuing situation with these character arcs. So I don't know what direction should let's go with May and then we'll get back yeah. to Yo-Yo. I think May was the biggest thing. So a couple of you know theories I think have been kind of quashed. I think several theories have been quashed in this episode about certain mm-hmm. characters. So I don't think we're in a situation at all. And I think this kind of, you know, um, I didn't think it was, but I think it was still on the table. But I think this episode kind of firmly, you know, went away from that. And I think this kind of goes closer to what you were suggesting last week about May's situation. And that is clearly this isn't um, a possessed May. Clearly, it's not a May that's been swapped out um, or a chronic May or whatever it was. No, it, it's May. And there are some deep psychological issues that she's dealing with. And there's oh, a yeah. big moment for her that this is a, the, the last season of a seven-year series. And this is the first time, and she even says it in her life, that she's experienced a full-blown anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. I've had those. That's exactly what that shit looks like. That's no joke. Like that, like her just is a panicking. She's crying. She's just out of breath. It, 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 um, that's a full blown anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that May of all people has ever experienced. And it comes off the heels of everybody and her acknowledging how uncharacteristically unemotional she's being, mm-hmm. how casual she's being, right? With all of the missions and everything. And I feel like what that does is suggest uh, what you were saying last week in that, th- yeah, it's May and she is at a point when she's done and she may have been put putting up a wall to kind of like prevent herself from feeling it. But that wall kind of came crashing down the second she went back into like kill mode. I don't know how you interpreted that moment. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It was just, she was trying to hold down her emotions as much as she can. But then the moment where, some something big happens it just all was just flooding out out of out of her uh it was it was pretty sad to see just because she's just not like that but also everything that's been that's happened to her even before like stuff that happened to her before like the show Mm -hmm. it's all uh, it's all coming and i uh, i like that bit of her and uh, Yo-Yo, where they kind of like want to help each other, but they don't want to help themselves. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's kind of clashing. And I kind of hope they get through it together, maybe. Mm, yeah. Because I, I feel like May's thing is more psychological and Yo-Yo's is more uh, physical. On that note, Natalia Cordova who plays Yo-Yo on the show, did an interview with Collider, and she mm-hmm. said that a favorite episode of hers comes up a few weeks from now with her and May together. Oh. So, 
we may be seeing more of those two mm-hmm. um, as we go further along to see what it is exactly that that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think it'll be great for for those two to help each other because they're both dealing with, like, different things. And I'm sure May has probably, she's seen some, she's gone through some big fights. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in that flashback where why she, like, divorced her husband and right. wanted to want to have family. Like, she was madly beat up. And she's able to just go through the next fight. Yeah, and it also just, you know, at this instant, I'm recalling um, the fact that for the last three years, May and Yo-Yo have kind of, like, grown a lot closer with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. Because in season five, oh my god, May kind of treated Yo-Yo like trash (laughs) toward the last episodes of season five. When she practically told her to fuck off if you don't want to save Coulson at one point. And then Mm. at the very last episode, she fucking took the, um, what's it called? The serum that would have like either killed Graviton or saved Coulson or, or yeah, whatever. I think it was the, the odium from the Confederacy. She took that thing and just smashed (laughs) and then she was, (laughs) and Yo-Yo was destroyed and everything. And that was like one of May's moments where it was like, Damn, but hilarious because of how she just fucking did it and everything. But then consider the fact that, um, you know, when, when Yo-Yo killed um, Ruby, Hale's mm-hmm. daughter, she and May now had something in common. And that is they were put in situations where they thought that they had to kill kids, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so they may have bonded over that. And then also we saw like... In season, this, there was like a whole year where Daisy and Gemma were gone. And so Yo-Yo and May grew closer with one another. And we saw for most of season six, like, yeah, it was May and Yo-Yo who were basically the main, um, um, I guess you could say, generals for Mac. Um, and we saw a lot of scenes with those two together. So, yeah, I think it, it makes sense that these two have only grown closer and good for them too, because wow, season five was really bad for those. <laughs> I'm oh just thinking, God. like, I'm just thinking back to those days, and man, like everybody wanted to kill each other practically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how bad things got. But um, yeah, I- I'm happy that their storylines have been intertwined in this as well. And curious to see where this goes, considering that we like May has really, for the most part. Aside from Yo-Yo, not really interacted with anybody. And I think she may be doing that to on purpose. Yeah. Um, she's just tired, I think, of feeling anything. I think that's kind of the direction that we're going. And then with Yo-Yo, see, that's interesting. So a couple of things before I get to Yo-Yo. So we may have had some other theories that were squashed. So we talked last week that what if Gemma was an LMD or she was a Chronicon? That's how long time had passed. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to fly anymore, considering that all the Chronicoms, including Coulson Chronicom, were turned off by the EMP. Mm. So it seems as if that theory has been put to bed. Now, with Yo-Yo, there's a different theory where um, if it is going to entangle itself with May, I'm not sure if... It'll pan out, but there are some people who suspect that part of the reason why Yo-Yo, or maybe the reason, 
Yo-Yo is having a difficult time use her powers is because um, she's with child. Mm. Uh, mm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I know, right? Like, I mean, uh, if that is the storyline, it would be nice to end off the series with Mac and Yo-Yo starting a family. Yeah. Um, and we don't know. That could be something that in, we, we've never seen a pregnant and human before. So I don't know how the fuck that would work. It mm. could like um, be a big um, imposition on her. Although I, I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence. Well, we haven't really, we haven't been given much detail. I mean, they keep mentioning the shrike, um, yeah. but I don't think that's going to play into it at all. I think it's something else entirely. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it's just my first thought was when. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could have been. Well, um, <laughs> I actually have an answer for that. Not that I keep. De- okay. <laughs> I thought I have. I keep details on when you know Mac and Yo-Yo get intimate, but they went. They did say, or um, rather recently, it was toward the end of season six that episode where Izal is jumping from body to body mm-hmm. in the base. And when they have May in holding, because they think that she had killed Sarge, May is recounting what she, what, you know, what recently, you know, she saw. And then she says to, there's there's a direct line. She says to Yo-Yo, you and Mac were obviously about to have sex. So it could have, that that kind of happened like for them, like, Maybe a week ago. Yeah. So. Okay. That then, could be evidence to suggest mm-hmm. that's where it's going. Okay. Could be. No, then, then you know what? I I kind of hope that's what it is, you know? And then maybe they can have fun with that concept. Like mm-hmm. maybe she can't speed through stuff, but mm-hmm. the baby somehow affects something else. I mean, right, right. Who knows? So. Oh, man, that's actually really interesting. <laughs> it is. And I love how Max says to her in the beginning of the episode, look, like, so what? You don't have your powers. You're still a great agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. she's always been a capable fighter. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I really... The thing about S.H.I.E.L.D. that really surprises me is... You know, apart from the original characters, which is Fitzsimmons, Daisy, May, and Coulson, how they've been able to expand the team year after year with new characters. And it's always a little bit of a, of a juggling act with new characters, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you can you care about them as much as the old ones? And what this show consistently does, at least for me, is, yeah, you can't. Because, like, mm-hmm. uh, like Mac, when he came in season two, of course, Bobby um, and, and Hunter, and then Yo-Yo, and then Robbie Reyes, Radcliffe, Ada. Um, of course, they're not necessarily friends, but, <laughs> well, they were at first, but then, of course, they turned. Um, and then Deke, and Flint, and Enoch, and it, it just goes to show you, um, I think, anyway... The ability of uh, these writers, these showrunners to just write great, great characters that are, mm-hmm. and they so seamlessly assimilate to the group. 
You know, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but um, Jeff Ward, who plays Deke, originally was cast, or I think, I think not, not cast. He auditioned. Oh, yeah, I I told you the story. <laughs> I th- oh, you did? Yeah, when I when it was the story was told at D twenty three. Oh, okay, okay. He okay, was originally right. gonna play. He was Virgil. originally going to die. Yeah, he was gonna be Virgil. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He was supposed to die in the first episode, and when he read like that part where he yeah. died, everyone kind of went, "Oh." <laughs> yeah. like they were really sad about it <laughs> and when he left the room after the script yeah. reading uh they just went up to him where they were like do you want to play this character like he he's in it for like the entire season mm-hmm. and so that's how he got the role of deke <laughs> yeah and then uh, again also jeff ward gave a great interview this week with collider about his experience on the show and he talked a lot about the sense of uh of uh what's the word here uh uh, the sense of family uh, among the cast and how much it felt like that. And that for over, I think a little over three years, he got to be a part of this family and he was so close with them. And then he's had obviously other projects, but it, it made him very appreciative of having been on S.H.I.E.L.D. because it, it, it felt almost like high school for him. You know, the good mm-hmm. part of high school where you have like, you know, your friends and everything, but, um, and that. He he's so lucky to, have, and then they all say this. I think in interviews, both Natalia and other actors that I've interviewed, so have I read about how lucky they were to be part of something like this, um, which is rare in Hollywood. It seems like um, for because I mean Hollywood, long storied history. We know of situations where the cast hated each other, <laughs> um, but you don't get that sense at all. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I loved it for that reason. Um, I love the little tag at the end of the episode. <laughs> we got to preserve the timeline and oh, yeah. that bit of like, you will not speak of this to anyone or we will return <laughs> and we will probe you. And then the fucking music <laughs> playing and it's like, shit. See, that's, that's that's what I mean when they're just leaning into this, like, sense of fun. Because it, it just works for a genre show like this, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel maybe a, a lot of, like, I, I think what S.H.I.E.L.D. does best from other genre shows is that it knows the silliness of what it is. And it mm. leans into it. Um, <laughs> it leans, I, get, I don't know if... I don't know if cheesy is the right word for it, but it's not afraid to make fun of itself or to make fun of the situation. It helps to make it, I think, just, I don't know, more relatable. No, yeah, it, yeah. You, you see it in the beginning of the episodes with the title cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you got, last episode you got like a, it was like black and white, mm-hmm. kind of like grainy looking title card. And then this one you get the like alien invasion type of title card. Yeah. Uh, and I love, I kind of, I love those kind of shows where they just, they sort of put, make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one that I see that does that is um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Mm. Uh, uh, recently, they changed like their title card. Before right. it was just like this metal title card and like right. a shit flying bite. But then now recently, it's like newspaper clippings and the their theme is now like rock and roll. And I, yeah. like as soon as I saw that, I went, oh my gosh, they've did it perfectly they know it <laughs> yeah and you know what like all, all credit to that universe like legends of tomorrow it almost seems like to be everyone's low-key favorite um 
of the DC-verse. Because it's always, yeah. like, from what I hear, not that I watch the show, but I always hear really good things from them. Like, even if it's, like, a whatever episode, it's still fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, no, yeah. It, it really is, like, the most fun shows. Like, The Flash, uh, they they try to get, like, as serious as possible with, like, him struggling with trying to be, like, the best hero and all that mm-hmm. with his uh, marriage. But with this one, it's just, you know, you, you get those problems of the teamwork but in the end, they know they're a family, and so they just kind of like just talk it out, brush it off, and they they go back to the fun stuff. Like literally, there's literally an episode where I think it was like Attila the Hun was brought back to life from hell, and he tries to uh, assassinate someone by using scooters to get through traffic. <laughs> so you literally see Attila the Hun in the scooter. Like wow, they, they don't they don't they don't care, and they know they're trying to have fun. It's right. it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you mentioned it with the title cards. Yeah, and it's not, of course, unique because they've done this for years now where they've changed Mm -hmm. the title cards for like not just like entire seasons but for individual episodes. And to me, that always just set S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit apart from everybody else. And it it reminded me of – it reminded me of those old, um, I, I don't want to say old school because I'm not really old. I mean, let's just say those early 2000 uh, era um, Saturday morning cartoons. Let's say mm. Kids WB, what have you. Um, Fox Kids, what, whatever it is. Um, and for every like season, they would update the opening like um, credits with like, oh, the stuff that you're going to be seeing this season or like – or more in tune with the tone of it and what's different about it. So yeah, it's a lot of stuff about the show that I uh, simply adore mm-hmm. <laughs> if that wasn't obvious enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think we've reached the point where we can uh, have a little bit of speculation about what is going to happen next week. Um, what I can confirm, cause it's been, not only was it in the teaser, um, but it's been, I think confirmed by, I think it was Marissa Tancherowen, or maybe it was a ABC publicity post on social media. But if you notice, so at the the last shot of the episode was a zoom in on Coulson, and there was some flickering going on in his eye because, as we mentioned, he had turned off, and maybe it could signal a rebooting. But there was um there was a moment where there was a flickering. It looked a little bit like yellow, bluish, or whatever, and then it just turned to black and white. Well, this being the 50s, it turns out that episode four is going to be an all-noir episode, as in hmm. black and white. And I mean, and I, I think, and I've seen some stills from that, and I just think to myself, that's perfect. Yes, yeah. do it, <laughs> do it. Um, and I think it may be from Coulson's perspective, from Coulson's yeah. eyes, is I think what they're going to be leaning on to. Um, and it's going to feature heavily, I think, Daniel Souza as well. So, oh, my God. Yes. Do it. That's... Like, the, this is the perfect example of what we're talking about, what they're doing <laughs> with this last year. It's like they're just – they're going for it. Let's have a noir episode. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. God, I, I – I, I shudder to think if we're going to have a musical episode by the time the show's over, because like they're really going with the genres. I don't think that's going to happen. 
I uh, hope not. I, I don't mean, think I, I would rather not, but I mean, maybe some elements of it in there somewhere. Not that I, I want it to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think it will be a musical, but I think if they make it to the seventies or eighties, they are. Oh, we know the, they are. Yeah, then they can have like a little. They don't sing, but you hear a lot of like funky music going mm, on, and right. like maybe they got to dance or something, yeah. and then they try to like they add in maybe one person singing. Who knows? Right. So, <laughs> oh my god! I hope they. Oof, that'd be crazy. I would love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it, it's so it's exciting because like I think what makes it so different from other years it's I mean the overarching arcs and story plot lines that happen throughout the season I think um, has and especially how Shield has done it, it they've always produced installments that I I like I mean week after week but in this season it just feels so much like more exciting because of how different they're looking from one another and what they're going to do with it um so yeah i i i don't know man i i think this is um so far a pretty great season like mm-hmm. i i'm loving the direction this is going yeah. uh, and before we go i forgot to mention some other details that we, we we kind of glossed over in the beginning and that is um so they they added a little bit more ground rules about how this time machine works mm-hmm. so they can only basically follow the chronicoms. Mm-hmm. Um, once they jump, they can only follow the same path they took, which is why that teen couple uh, was out there because that that guy had seen the chronicom ship a few days prior. I think is what the implication was there, mm-hmm. not being the same spot that Zephyr One, you know, uh, zapped out of. Um. And then we get introduced to Sybil, who is seemingly the leader of the Chronicoms. Um, it, it's a scene where um, it's that that big white room that uh, Fitz yeah, yeah. and Simmons were trapped in last season. And so she seems to be an oracle of sorts. And she says that we have to be delicate with time. And so she seems to be the one that's pulling the strings of the targets and what they're going for exactly um yeah and one subtle thing um there's a little bit of a of a terminator um touch with the chronicoms where Mm. when the chronicoms are when they show up the music that um um that the composer uses for them is very reminiscent of the terminator score um again done to a purpose right so um oh, yeah. yeah some uh, a couple more details there about where this is going um yeah man i, I i'm going to look back at this episode as being oh god one of my favorites i loved it mhm no yeah same like i said like i think this was like top of their game mm-hmm. for pretty much everyone yeah, so they, since we like we saw a different side of May, uh, Coulson. I mean, he was being Coulson, but like again, to the top, funniest he's ever been. More most action, and look at how great they are. And we still don't have Enoch or Fitz back. Oh my god! Honestly, I think Fitz is gonna be like the downer, <laughs> just because like from everything he's been through. Uh, <laughs> 
Maybe. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Although, I mean, last so. year he wasn't a monkey suit. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. But I mean, I, I think it says how far the show has come where, like, we have two major players with Fitz and Enoch gone. And we didn't really need him in this episode. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. I still want him back. <laughs> of course. We'll get back to him at some point. Yeah. Um, it's just, um, we, we, of course, understand that Ian DeCastaker was off filming, mm-hmm. I think, for the first half of this season. So I don't think we'll see him until five or six. Yeah, maybe. Which, I mean, how they've dealt with his absence, I think, is, I think, really well considering the circumstances. Mm. I mean, they did that in uh, five. Five, yeah. yeah. And, like, they really kept in a mystery as to, like, where he's going to go or where he's going to end up and all that. And they fucking killed it when he showed up. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I can't wait to see something like that again. Yeah, me too, man. And that was a great episode. One of the best of that season. So, that's how <laughs> great, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, just a toast <laughs> to, to these people because I, they really find great ways of... um Wrapping things up, making things connect in a way that that they don't seem forced and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, I should say, before we go, um, I had some uh, wonderful interactions on Twitter the, in this weekend with um, the director of the visual effects of this series, uh, Mark Kolpak. Um, some people were complimenting him for, um, you know, his work in general. And... Um, he, uh, no, I made a comment about what they're able to do. Maybe see if I can pull it up right here on my phone. Um, but he retweeted <laughs> my thing on his account. And oh I'm like, God. that's how like, whoa, you liked it that much, huh? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like a, a, a big moment. I, I really love interacting with them on, on Twitter. I also interacted with the Zuckerman sisters and they both liked um my tweet um, talking about um, how wonderfully written this episode was, um, how much uh, I considered it a, a classic S.H.I.E.L.D. moment, um, you know, um, this That's being awesome. their last episode and everything. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull up my tweet right now. I probably should have mm-hmm. had this prepared. Um, well, I'll just say uh, one last thing that I forgot to say was when it, that scene uh, – where they're interrogating the defense uh, secretary person, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I love that bit where where they say, um, "Oh, where May says like, oh, he called me um, Oriental." Uh-huh. And Joyo goes, "Yeah, I had to hold her back." <laughs> Just like I love how out of everyone, she's the one that was like already like wanting to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that that guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I said. Um, what was the original thing that he said? Um, oh, yeah. Um, Mark Kolpak had originally tweeted that um, to somebody else. That is so very kind of you to say, my entire VFX team worked so hard to deliver the highest quality of creativity that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. deserved. And then I responded with him, and then this is the tweet that he also um, retweeted with, is that it's no secret the budget these last three seasons isn't what it was previously. That, And I'm speaking to the fact that for the last three renewals, the budget was sized down 
um, mm. by ABC. It was first sized down from four to five. And then, of course, it was sized down even more because season six and seven have less episodes than the other seasons. Um, but it's a testament to all of the VFX crew that the quality of effects never once let the story down. I'm left gobsmacked every year by what you're able to pull off. And then he retweeted with, um, uh, no denying that things change, but the art must always succeed. Um, so mm. love that very much. Thanks. And, uh, you know, in all seriousness, just thankful to them. Because, I mean, I don't know. I think I'll say it a thousand times. The show works on every level. From the, mm -hmm. from the VFX to the costume to the makeup to the hair um, to the writing. Like everyone, I think this year is just firing all cylinders. And he also did tease that some big, big visual effects moments are heading our way um, for the finale, which they did confirm August 12th will be the official series finale when it'll air. And they're going to air episodes 12 and 13 um, back to back. So, oh my God. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oof. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready oh at all my for God, the show I'm to be nervous. over. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, dang. No, I, mean, I think we I think we we talked about it. Like some finales have been pretty disappointing. Lately, yeah. But uh I don't know. I I'm trying to be hopeful. I'm trying to be hopeful as one. well. If me finales have been nervous and in recent memory they have been disappointing, but um what I keep going back to is I've never really been disappointed with Jed or Whedon. I mean, mm -hmm. Jed or Whedon. Sorry about that. With Jed or Mo. Um, <laughs> they are... <laughs> yeah. I've never once been let down, and I have full faith they're going to deliver something that'll, that will be satisfying. Um, mm -hmm. And again, to be fair, with like something like Game of Thrones, the signs, I think, were there pretty pretty um much in advance we just didn't want to see it um mm. in all seriousness season seven which i thought was a great season of game of thrones um had some signs about how they were treating the end of the series mm -hmm. which at best you can say royally rushed <laughs> <laughs> um in the situation that happened there oh yeah so, um, uh, one more tweet to bring up. This has nothing to do with me, but I, I found this mm -hmm. hilarious. Joss Whedon, um, did this, uh, this tweet, uh, someone had, uh, had done a challenge about name a thing that lasted longer than the Confederacy, the Confederate States of America, which were, um, the, uh, the Southern States that seceded during the civil war, which yeah. was like, what, four or five years. That's all it that lasted. And Joss Whedon retweeted that with a picture of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so. <laughs> love uh, sticking that knife in. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> I don't know. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank mm -hmm. you, David. Um, this is so much fun to talk about this episode. I can't wait for the noir episode and see how that goes. This is mm -hmm. turning out to be a wonderful, wonderful season. And I hope uh, all of you listening think that as well. We have other programs coming your way where our weekly Avatar recaps, our next episode will feature episodes 11 through 20 of season two, book two Earth of Avatar The Last Airbender. We have more episodes coming up with To The Table is beginning Tron Month with me and Peter. 
of course, our impressions of um, films that had big impacts on us. And we have a review coming up on Spike Lee's new film on Netflix, To Five Bloods. Spoiler alert, it's pretty great. Um, pretty great. So with that, we will see you next time. Stay into the spotlight, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.